welcome back, and thanks for listening to Trekker Talk, a fan podcast devoted to the adventures of 23rd century bounty hunter Mercy St. Clair from the pages of Trekker Comics by writer and artist Ron Randall. I'm Ruth. And I'm Darren, and this is a fan podcast. We're not affiliated with Ron Randall, and the opinions expressed are just ours. We do this podcast because we always enjoy reading and talking about Trekker and any of Ron Randall's other comics. Please consider visiting trekkercomic.com. That's Ron Randall's official site dedicated to Mercy St. Clair. It features a new page of Trekker material every Monday, where Mercy St. Clair currently finds herself in all kinds of trouble in the story The Dark Star Zephyr. While you're there checking out the latest page, you'll find links to all of the ways to follow Ron Randall on social media, including Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. TrekkerComic.com also has a link to his Patreon page, where it's easy to donate to help support the brand new Trekker material if you'd like. For just a small monthly donation, you get an early look at each week's page, and you get a terrific behind-the-scenes look at the development of the page. In this episode, we're wrapping up our coverage of the latest Trekker trade paperback with Part 3 of Rites of Passage. We hope everyone has picked up the book because we don't want to spoil the story for anyone. This is the end, so if you haven't picked up your copy, please pause the show and take a trip to your local comic shop, or hop online and place an order to get your very own copy and help support these great stories. Rites of Passage is available in print from Dark Horse Comics, or in a digital collection from Comixology, or the Dark Horse Comics app, or from the Amazon Kindle store. We always enjoy hearing from other Trekker fans, and we know the show is more fun for everyone when we include your comments, so please take a moment to write in and let us know your thoughts. You could share your Trekker origin story, or just let us know what you think of the new characters and the latest adventures with Jekka. Anything you share will be appreciated. Just listen for our email address or other ways to contact us at the end of the episode. Trekker Talk is part of the Rad Adventures Podcast Network. If you enjoy the show, please consider checking out our other podcasts that are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and YouTube. Xenozoic Xenophiles covers the post-apocalyptic adventure series Xenozoic Tales, featuring Cadillacs and Dinosaurs by writer and artist Mark Schultz. And Warlord Worlds is devoted to the comic creations of writer and artist Mike Grell, including The Warlord, John Sable, Green Arrow, and more. Ron Randall, Mark Schultz, and Mike Grell are our favorite comic creators. Their stories are always filled with adventure and interesting characters, and their art is excellent. We hope that you will try out our other shows, and you'll find links to those podcasts in our show notes. Rites of Passage, Part 3. Story, Art, Colors, and Letters by Ron Randall. Cover by Ron Randall and Jeremy Colwell. Publisher, Mike Richardson. Editor, Chris Warner. Assistant Editor, Jemiah Jefferson. Collection Designer, Sandy Tanaka. Digital Art Technician, Adam Pruitt. Rites of Passage was originally published online at trekkercomic.com in 2014 and 15 under the title Jekka and was collected and published by Dark Horse Comics in February 2017. The story is divided into three parts, and each part takes place in a very different location. If you enjoy the book, we encourage you to listen to episode 24, which features an interview with Ron Randall talking about the origin of the story. As with the Trekker Omnibus and the Train to Avalon Bay trade paperbacks, there is an art gallery at the end of Rites of Passage, and we will be discussing it in this episode as we wrap up this exciting story. Part 3 of the story picks up as the small escape pod from the Starliner makes its way through space. Jekka and Wisu are on board with Mercy St. Clair, but Jason Bolt is tragically missing, having just sacrificed himself to help them escape their pursuers. 
Mercy's initial shock turns to anger at Jason Bolt for sacrificing himself, and then to quiet sadness. However, Bolt was right that they had to launch the escape pod too far out in space. They will be lucky if the oxygen and fuel last to their destination. The three sit in silence, and then doze off, as the escape pod continues its slow journey. Back in New Gallif, Alex St. Clair stops by Molly Sundowner's music shop. Mercy has vanished, with no word. Molly hasn't seen her either. She's been stopping by to feed Scuff, but there is no sign that Mercy has been home in weeks. Molly is certain Mercy went along to protect Jekka, despite what she said the last time she saw her. Molly and Alex are both worried, but they convince each other that Mercy will be fine, wherever she is. On board the escape pod, a warning signal wakes our trio from their slumber. The escape pod has entered the orbit of their destination, Jekka's home planet of Skane. Mercy takes the controls, but they're down to fumes for fuel, and Mercy isn't sure she can maneuver the ship well enough to keep them from burning up in flames in the atmosphere. Thankfully, the heat chills hold as the ship careens across the sky, crashing through thick vegetation, and finally splashing down in a dark swamp. Wisu is familiar with the Venushi swamps. Night is coming, which means dangerous creatures will be on the prowl. He recommends they camp and depart in the morning. Jekka fashions a tree limb into a spear. As she walks into the jungle, she tells Mercy to start a fire. Wisu tells Mercy to stop Jekka from going into the jungle alone. But Mercy stares after her in admiration and tells Wisu that Jekka is back on her homeworld and in her element. She'll be fine. After a hearty meal, thanks to Jekka and her spear, Mercy asks why a farming and fishing girl has attracted a band of cyborg assassins. Jekka finally tells Mercy the rest of her story. She is a direct descendant of the House of Canutos. The head of the Canutos family is known as the Voice of Skane, and the family peacefully ruled the planet for 150 years during what was known as the Golden Era. But the Council wanted to centralize their power in the galaxy by taking control of the Outer Rim Worlds. The Council took advantage of minor factional disputes on the planet through a war of lies. The Golden Canutos Era came to an abrupt end when Jekka was four. Her father was the Voice of Skane at the time, and he was killed by an assassin hired by the Council. Loyalists were able to get Jekka and her mother safely off-world and relocated to the planet Miltir until Jekka came of age so that she could reclaim the voice of Skane. Hearing the plan, Mercy is convinced that it is a suicide mission. There has already been multiple attempts on her life, so the Council obviously knows about Jekka and will be waiting for her in the capital. At dawn, the trio set off through the swamp on a small raft, with Mercy pushing it along using a long pole. But waiting for daylight doesn't save them from all of the dangers of the swamp, as suddenly a giant, slug-like creature erupts out of the water, overturning the small raft. Mercy manages to hold onto the pole from the raft and swims quickly to the shore, where she climbs a tree that stretches out over the water. She leaps from the tree, using the pole like a giant spear that she drives into the back of the giant creature, but it merely shakes its body, throwing Mercy to the ground. Mercy rolls over and pulls out both her small pistol and large gun and repeatedly fires into the underbelly of the creature until it drops dead into the water. Getting to her feet, Mercy stares across the water where she sees a group of natives holding Jekka. Wisu pulls out the same ceremonial dagger that he used the first time Mercy met him. Wisu tells the natives they know the importance of the shalak. Jekka reaches out to the dagger as the natives chant, All know this. 
That night at the tribe's village, Wisu explains that Jekka will reveal herself in the central circle of the capital on the High Holy Day. The gathered tribes will immediately recognize her as the voice of Skane, and the council will be discredited. Mercy listens with skepticism, but she will go along to protect Jekka. The High Holy Day arrives, and the central square in the capital is packed with villagers from tribes from across the planet. Mercy and Wisu mingle in the crowds as the village elders escort Jekka toward the raised platform in the center circle of the square. Armed guards from the council approach and stop them. The elders exclaim the council is false. The guards respond violently, attacking the village elders and calling out to evacuate the square. Mercy rushes through the crowd toward Jekka, but in the commotion she doesn't notice that Wisu is no longer beside her. Suddenly, a loud voice rises above the crowd. Mercy looks up and sees Wisu standing atop the raised platform in the central circle. He is holding the ceremonial dagger above his head. He calls out, Behold, the true blood of Canutos has returned, and he reaches up and grabs the blade. As the blood from his hand runs down the blade, it glows brightly, just as it did when Jekka held it. He shouts, No longer will the council rule us. The crowd replies, All know this. The council's guards and their false senate retreat as the crowds push toward them. Wisu scans the faces in the crowd as all chant with renewed excitement and passion. But one lone figure stands defiantly. Mercy St. Clair is not happy. Wisu approaches her, and she accuses him of using Jekka as a decoy. He is sorry, but he does not regret the deception. The council focused their attention on Jekka, allowing him to move more freely. While Jekka is a direct descendant, the Canutos bloodline puts him ahead of her in succession, while she remains next in line after him. Mercy demands the money she is owed and a ticket back to Earth. She wants nothing to do with someone who used her as a pawn in a political game. Mercy turns to Jekka and offers to take her back to Miltir to get her away from people who are willing to put a target on her back for political gain. But Jekka is staying. She doesn't like being used either, but these are her people. She may not be their ruler, but she can be part of something bigger than herself. Mercy stares at her in surprised disbelief. Back on Earth, Molly has just locked up her music shop for the night and is walking home. She stares up at the overcast sky of Nugelif and knows that something big is missing from her life. Arriving at her apartment, she puts her key in the door and then hears a soft voice say her name. Molly turns to see an unusually hesitant and reserved Mercy St. Clair standing in the hallway. Mercy tries to say something, but can't quite finish the sentence. Is it the apology that is owed to Molly? None of that matters to Molly. The only thing that matters is that Mercy is home. Molly reaches out and puts a finger on Mercy's lips and thinks to herself that suddenly the universe seems just perfect. Ron Randall really fills this last part of the story with surprises. Everything from creatures attacking in the swamp to political deceptions. It all makes for a terrific resolution. The story really features a clear view of two sides of Mercy's character. One side is a well-trained fighter who can take care of herself and all of those around her. The other side is a young woman who is naive in many ways of the world, which can put her in difficult situations. I love the excitement of a straightforward battle like the one in the swamp but the entire story sets up an even more exciting political battle in the final pages. I really commend Ron Randall for making Wisu a compelling character. 
We don't learn much about him during the book. He's a quiet and stoic figure, and yet we come to like him by the end of the story, so that the betrayal is both surprising and yet understandable. We don't hate him, even though we may not like what he did. As a reader, in the end, we feel the same way that Jekka does. And that leads us to talk about Mercy St. Clair. This entire story was a great journey for Mercy. Jekka is a younger woman who isn't as physically strong as Mercy and doesn't seem to be able to take care of herself in certain situations. We get this feeling of Mercy being an older sister to Jekka and looking out for her and protecting her. However, by the end of the story, the roles reverse. Jekka is more wise to the ways of the world and is able to deal with the complexities of human interaction and political machinations much better than Mercy. Mercy seems more naive and hurt and surprised by the events than the young girl she was protecting. It really is a compelling story for Mercy and it builds on everything that has come before, while at the same time setting up many more story opportunities for the future. And if you listen to our interview with Ron Randall in episode 24, you know that we'll see more of Jekka and Wisu in the future. And if you're reading online at trekkercomic.com, you know that we've already seen more of the Council. Trekker is always filled with exciting stories. And before we wrap up our review, we need to talk about a couple of other characters. I always liked the character of Jason Bolt, and losing him was very difficult. And I must say that the pain is realistically presented in the range of emotions that Mercy shows. She is sad, and she is angry, and she is hurt. But what is clear is that she cared more about Jason Bolt than she ever realized. He will be sorely missed. And I want to talk about Molly Sundowner. We don't see lots of her in this story, but her few scenes are significant. Longtime readers of Trekker certainly know of the on-again, off-again relationship that Mercy had with Paul Clemens. While she had strong feelings for him, she was never able to commit to him. Meanwhile, there was her longtime friend Molly, who she always turned to, and Molly was always there, wanting the best for Mercy in all situations. Something intriguing lies ahead for these two characters, but that will have to wait for another time. Now let's take a few minutes to talk about our favorite pages and panels. So what were your favorite pages? Okay, so it's easy to start with page 72. This is the page where the natives meet Mercy, Jekka, and Wisu and lead them back to their village. It's just after the battle in the swamp. The page is divided into thirds. Everyone is shown from a distance in the top third by the swamp, and dark and cold-looking green colors are used. The middle third pulls the camera in a little closer and shows the village with its inviting homes. The bottom third features close-ups inside one of the homes. Fires create a warm glow, so the whole page illustrates a transition from the cold and distressful meeting at the swamp to the warm reception at the village. Excellent effect. I agree. I like that one a lot. And then we just turn a couple of pages to page 75. This page is during the commotion at the central square. It's another great transition page. At the top, Mercy is frantically trying to make her way through the crowd to protect Jekka, followed by a look of surprise on Mercy's face as she looks up at the platform. And finally, a great image of Wisu standing and holding the glowing ceremonial dagger. The people around him have to shield their eyes from the bright glow. And I love the way his cape is blowing in the wind. I really like this page too, and I'm glad that you pointed out that people had to shield their eyes from the bright glow. Yeah, I like that effect a lot. And for my favorite page, we turn just a few pages to page 80. That's the very last page in the book. So this page looks deceptively simple at first, with its nine uniformly sized panels but the mood and flow created by the images is anything but simple. The top three panels show Molly leaving her shop. In the first panel, she is a small figure in the distance, but by the third panel, we have a gorgeous close-up of her looking up at the sky. 
The middle three panels show Molly arriving at home and use the same effect of a distant image in the first panel and a close-up in the final panel. Then the bottom three panels feature Mercy's attempted apology and Molly's quiet response. And that image of Molly putting her finger to Mercy's lips is beautifully filled with emotion. I just love this page. I really appreciate you pointing out how each of those series of three panels progressed. Very complex. I agree. I really liked it. So tell me what your favorite pages were. Okay, turn to page 61. Okay, let me flip back. This is the page where the escape pod crashes into the swamp. I love that blazing trail and seeing the startled creatures. The lighting and colors are great, and I like the distant shot of them getting out of the pod and into the swamp. I like that page too. Very exciting. And just a few pages over, 66 is so exciting. It shows the great giant swamp creature burst up and out of the waters it crashes onto the raft. And the monster is so scary. I know I would not want to face it myself. Neither would I. And I love how the water is illustrated in each panel. It splashes everywhere to start, and then we see Mercy sinking into it. And you can tell there's a strong current, and that Mercy is powerful as she retrieves that pole for her attack. I really like that you pointed that out. It's a good effect. And then my last choice here, page 73. It's another winner because of the exotic Golden Cityscape. The perspectives and Mercy's purple hood and cape combination. It looks like a place that I would like to visit, and it adds a lot to this world that Ron Randall has imagined and brought to life on the page. Yeah, I agree. Really nice page. Now let's talk about our favorite panels. Okay, I'll go first. Let's flip back to page 61, which I think Uh, is where you started your favorite pages. I've got that one marked. So I'll start there with a favorite panel, the very top panel of the escape pod crashing into the swamp. I know you chose that as a favorite page, and I certainly see why. I chose that panel for many of the same reasons. The way the muddy water splashes into the air, the gnarly-looking tree along the left side, and the terrific-looking winged lizard that is disrupted by the noise and takes flight. You know I agree with that. (laughs) I do. It was great. (laughs) So just two pages further on, page 63 at the bottom. This is the tragic scene of the murder of Jekka's father, and it's handled very well. The characters involved in the violent fighting are shown very small in the background, but torches cast giant shadows up on the walls, suggesting the dark and evil nature of what they are doing. Meanwhile, in the corner, we see Jekka's mother holding her hand over young Jekka's mouth to keep her quiet as they make their escape. That's a very intense scene. Yes. And just a couple of pages further from my favorite panel on page 67. Okay. At the bottom. Interestingly, you chose the previous page as a favorite page, and I'll choose this panel. It really shows how exciting this sequence is. This is the image of Mercy jumping from the tree to stab the swamp creature, and it's stunning. The perspective creates a real feeling of movement, and the look on Mercy's face is determined. She's definitely ready for battle. I can remember the first time I saw this image online, and it has remained a favorite ever since. She's fierce. Yes. So what about your favorite panels? Okay. Flip backwards to page 63. (laughs) That sounds familiar. Yeah, you chose this panel as well. So, (laughs) like you, I can't resist pointing out the great effect of the firelight casting the large shadows on the wall during the assassination as taking place off in the distance. There's so much action and drama in that one panel, I think it's amplified by the composition and the perspective and the color. And I wonder how much planning had to go into it. I really like the additional comments you made. This is a fantastic panel, and I'm glad we both chose it. It's a nice surprise when we end up picking the same thing. (laughs) 
Let's see. Okay, now page 65, the first panel there. Okay. It's where Mercy is tying the rope on the raft while Lisu is boarding it and Jekka is finishing the poles in the background. I like the sense of the focused determination to accomplish their mission in this panel. Uh, I'm glad you pointed that one out. I wouldn't have noticed it or paid as close attention to it, but it's really nice. And now my last panel, let's see, page 76. Okay. It's the next to the last panel. I love the expression on Mercy's face. She's totally stunned by Wisu becoming the leader, and I think her expression is such a good contrast to the cheering crowd. And I appreciate how the panel is cut on the top and bottom, kind of cropped both places, leaving us to see just a small segment of that scene. But we get to see just enough and just the right part to make a big impact. I agree. I see your point. I think it's a really effective use of small space and is a good contrast to the larger panel above where Wisu is standing triumphantly. You chose the page right before this, and that's a great one too. It's really a terrific sequence. I agree. Definitely. The Rites of Passage trade paperback features a wonderful sketchbook. It starts off with an image of Mercy battling a giant creature in a swamp, very similar to the sequence from the book. This image is drawn by Ron Randall and features colors by Jeremy Colwell. It was actually first featured in an art book for the 2012 Emerald City Comic Con, and I'm really happy that Ron Randall chose to weave the creature into one of his stories. It's a really creepy-looking creation. The next two pages feature several images from the development of the story. The first image dates all the way back to 1992, when Ron drew an image of a real-life family friend named Jessica on an adventure with Mercy, and over time that drawing inspired the story of Jekka. Other images feature early drawings of characters including Wisu, the Cyber Assassins, the Elders, and the Council Guards, as well as the Starliner and the Escape Pod. Next, we get to see a powerful image of Mercy St. Clair, drawn by Joelle Jones, who is known for her book Lady Killer, as well as her work on Supergirl. Then there's a beautiful image of Mercy drawn by Drew Edward Johnson with colors by Jeremy Colwell. Mercy is standing on the edge of a cliff with her gun drawn. The wind is blowing her scarf and the sky is a glorious red orange. I love it. Next is an adorable image by Leela Del Duca, who is known for the highly regarded titles Shudder and Afar. We had the pleasure to meet her recently at Raleigh Supercon. The colors here are by Owen Jenny. In the image, Mercy is holding Scuff and Mercy is smiling. And every Trekker fan knows that Scuff is one of the few things that can make Mercy smile. And the final image is by Benjamin Dewey, who works on the excellent comic Autumn Lands and the hilarious Tragedy series. Mercy is racing toward the camera with her gun in hand. Her eyes are piercing. It's a night scene and there is a detailed cityscape behind her. And I absolutely love that Scuff is racing along beside her, joining in on the adventure. I love that one too, and I love getting to see these sketchbooks in the back of the Trekker collections, and I already can't wait for the next one. It's time for Who's Who when we talk about significant characters from the stories and get to know them a little better. Mercy St. Clair is a bounty hunter known as a Trekker. She lives in Antari Alley, which is a bad part of New Gallif. She spends most of her money on weapons for her job and food for her pet scuff, which is a dox, and that's a cross between a dog and a fox. Alex St. Clair is Mercy's uncle and a lieutenant in the police force. The police and Trekkers don't generally like each other, but these two definitely care for each other and sometimes collaborate on cases. Molly Sundowner is a local music shopkeeper and Mercy's best friend. She takes care of Scuff when Mercy is away and is generous to a fault. Recently, Mercy wrongly accused Molly of helping Rigel trick her into joining the mission to protect Jekka. And Jekka is a young girl being pursued by lots of agents from the council, and we finally learn why in this last part of the story. 
Wisu is a mysterious figure, and we get lots of revelations about him in this part of the story as well. And we've been hearing about the governing body known as the Council for quite a while now, and I can guarantee we will hear more about them in the future. Next up is Trekker Transmissions, where we share the listener feedback we've received since last time. Your feedback adds so much to the show, so a big thank you to everyone who took time to write or get in touch through social media. Ange of the Supergirl Comic Box Commentary shared a great letter with us after he first read Rites of Passage, and here are his thoughts on the last part of the story. I like how initially Mercy was helping Jekka out of wanting info about her mother, only to then end up doing it out of responsibility. That was a nice in-story character progression. And like us, Ange also liked the fight with the giant worm-like creature in the swamp, calling it brilliant. Ange's enthusiasm for this book is terrific, and it's been fun to share his favorite pages and panels along the way. For part three, he chose the second panel on page 76 as a winner. It shows Mercy standing with Jekka as the crowd behind her sees that Wisu is the new leader, and Mercy realizes she's been played. Jerry Green of Bat Books for Beginners wrote in about the last episode, saying, I just listened and read along. So much fun. Especially enjoyed the favorite pages and panels segment. So many great ones to choose from. And then Jerry asked a great question. Is it too early to consider Rites of Passage a classic? We're glad you like this new trick or book so much that you're ready to proclaim it a classic. Timothy G. Kramer of the Provocative Praise blog posted, Listening to Trekker Talk debating movie versus animated series. My favorite, an epic multi-season live-action TV show called Game of Domes. We really like thinking about those ideas. We'd love a movie or a live-action series or an animated series. Trekker seems perfectly designed for film. Reggie Reggie shared a photo of an autographed copy of Rites of Passage and said, This goes on the cosmic treadmill list for sure. It will be fun to hear Reggie and Chris discuss the series on their podcast in the future. John Baker posted, Celebrating the work of Ron Randall today with a look at TrekkerComic.com and listening to Trekker Talk podcast. It's always a good listen. Thanks for the time and effort, folks, and thanks to Ron Randall for being so darn talented. Paul Hicks of the Waiting for Doom podcast was happy about his Trekker Toast Award and wrote in to thank us. Pat Sanson of the Longbox Crusade wrote in about the last show, saying another great episode, adding Trekker to my comic want list. Randy Andrews of the Soundtrack Alley podcast let us know that he has nearly finished reading the Trekker Omnibus and that he loves the series. He particularly enjoyed Sins of the Fathers, which is definitely a great story. Randy also mentioned he likes the character of Mercy St. Clair so much that he wishes there was a statue available because he would gladly display that. We agree, Randy. It would be fantastic to have a Trekker statue to display. Manuel Carmona from Truthful Comics heard episode number 24 where we spoke to Ron Randall about Rites of Passage and said, I listened to the episode this morning. Very good interview. Thank you for putting out quality podcasts for me to listen to at work. Manuel is currently working on his creator-owned book called Project New Wave. We'll share a link to Truthful Comics in the show notes. Karen of Between the Pages said, Mercy would have fit in perfectly on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Imagine Mercy St. Clair teamed up with Kira Norris on a covert mission on the Kardashian homeworld. I'd buy that in an instant. We'd love to see that too, Karen. I'd buy it also. Laurel, a.k.a. Mountainflower, let us know she read the comic Joker Last Laugh for recording an episode of Feathers and Foes with Ashford and was pleasantly surprised to see that Ron Randall was one of the artists. Ron Randall himself noticed the post and chimed in to say, Fond memories. That book was a joy to draw. Swagcat Aaron told us he planned a Trekker Talkathon on a road trip this summer. Aaron has also been busy drawing Trekker fan art. He drew a terrific two-panel page for us. 
One panel shows Mercy first getting her pet docks and thinking of the name Scuff, and the last panel shows Mercy relaxing at home with Scuff in her lap. And in another drawing of Mercy, there are a couple of cool skimmers flying in the background. We really appreciate the effort and creativity that goes into these, and we'll post them on our social media pages. Thanks, Aaron. And we were very happy that Brian Mulvey shared a photo of himself proudly sporting his Trekker t-shirt. In it, he is standing with his lovely wife, Lou, in the famous town of Stratford-upon-Avon, the birthplace of Shakespeare. It's a terrific photo. They're in front of a thatched roof cottage with a lush green garden behind them. We're so happy they were able to tour Ireland and the UK this summer and to share this photo with us. Derek William Crabb of the Fanholes podcast and the YouTube channel History of Comics on Film created a delightful photo following Heroes Con. He used over a dozen action figures to represent the podcasters that he met at the con. I was tagged as Black Canary, and she is holding a copy of the Rites of Passage, which he tagged to Trekker Talk, and Green Arrow is linked to our Warlord Worlds page. I'll include a link to the photos showing how all of the podcasters were cast in this fun post. And Ron Randall saw the photo and said, I always knew there was something I liked about Black Canary. Turns out she's a Trekker reader. Thanks indeed, Derek. And Tony Greenall was inspired to write some funny dialogue to go along with it. Green Arrow says, Smile for the camera, Canary but she's too absorbed by the book and replies, get your hands away from my trekker. Jim Carlson kindly shared a photo of a beautiful sketch of the warlord by Ron Randall that hangs on his office wall. It is gorgeous. I think I'd have trouble concentrating on my work if that was in my office, but I'm willing to try. I wonder if Jim would loan that to me indefinitely. I doubt it. (laughs) (laughs) Author Van Allen Plexico let us know this fall will be his 20th time attending Dragon Con, and he will have a table at Artist Alley. We look forward to checking out his table at the con. Kirk Spencer was also at Heroes Con, and after seeing we were there as well, he wrote, Every book I bought at Heroes Con except two came from creators' tables. That's terrific, Kirk, and we hope we get to meet you there next year. Jared Albrook of Comics with Normies was joking with Kirk about the name, Trekker Talk, saying, Don't get your hopes up, Kirk. It's not about Star Trek. Adding, That never gets old. Then it was fun to see Kirk's reply. Honestly, I'm a bigger fan of Ron Randall than I am of Star Trek though a man can enjoy both. I agree, Kirk. We definitely love them both. We want to extend our Trekker thanks to everyone who supported us on social media since last episode. These are people who liked or shared posts from us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook, and we sincerely appreciate your support. Before we start, I do want to say if we miss a name, please let us know and we'll correct it in the next episode. And please also forgive us if we mispronounce your name. Just email us and let us know. We'd be happy to correct that next time, too. 20th Century Geek Podcast with Scott Weatherly, Angela of the Wonder Woman Warrior for Peace Podcast, Ange of the Supergirl Comic Box Commentary Blog, Ashford from the Ride On Network featuring Feathers and Foes and Straight Out of Gallifrey, Ben Robbins, longtime fan of Ron Randall's Trekker, Brian Mulvey, Chris Carnes of Bat Books for Beginners and reviews Batman 66 at Batgirl to Oracle, Chris Mounts, Chris Sheehan of the Cosmic Treadmill Podcast and the blog Chris's on Infinite Earths, Christopher Mills of the Atomic Pulp Blog and writer of Perils on Planet X, Gravedigger, and Film Noir, Clinton Robinson of the Coffee and Comics Blog and Podcast, Comics in the Golden Age with Mike and Chris, Creator Talks with Christopher Calloway, Colin Stapleton from the Worst Comics Podcast Ever, Dan Cooney, creator of the comics Valentine and Tommy Gun Dolls, Derek William Crabb of Fan Holes and History of Comics on Film, Dr. G, Man of Dirtology of the Pulped Pixel Podcast, Ed and Terry Moore of Till Productions, Eric Mannix of Out of the Fridge and Pages for All Ages, 
Jerry Green of Bat Books for Beginners and reviewer at the Batman Universe. Helioscope Studio. Jared Albrook from Comics with Normies. Jay Jones of the Silver and Gold Podcast. Jeff Messer of Geek Brain Podcast. Jerry McMullen from the Worst Comic Podcast Ever. Jim Carlson, longtime friend of Ron Randall. Joe Crawford of the blog for the Non-Discerning Reader. John Baker. Follow him on Twitter to read his great geek reviews. John Holloway of the Worst Comics Podcast Ever. Justice's First Dawn with Mike Peacock. Karen Williams of Between the Pages. Laurel Phillips, a.k.a. Mountain Flower. Longbox Crusade Podcast with Pat and Jared. Mark Adams of Mark's Mess Podcast. Mark Sweeney from I'm the Gun Blog and Podcast and Comics Couplets. Martin Gray of the blog Too Dangerous for a Girl. Paul Hicks from Waiting for Doom. Professor Allen of the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network. Reggie of the Cosmic Treadmill Podcast. Rolled Spine Podcast. Ron and Lynn Randall. Ryan Daly of the Power of Fishnets and Batman Nightcast. Tim Wallace from Cord Industries Blue Beetle Blog and the podcast Beetlemania. Tony Greenall and Wendy Friedman of the podcast Double Page Spread. It's time for the Trekker Toast Award, where we recognize those who have gone above and beyond in supporting Trekker Talk. And today is special because we have two winners to announce. This dynamic duo regularly listens to our shows. They share our posts on Twitter. They send in feedback on our episodes. They play our promos on their podcast. And we are humbled by the very kind comments they share about us on their show. So we lift our glasses and give a thankful Trekker Toast to Chris Carnes and Jerry Green. Congratulations, Jerry, and congratulations, Chris. You both amaze us with your friendship and support. Chris and Jerry are the hosts of the excellent podcast, Bat Books for Beginners. Each episode covers an entire Batman storyline. If you don't already listen, we highly recommend it. And we'll be right back after we play a couple of promos for other podcasts that you might enjoy. Hi, this is Batman. Whenever I lose my memory, I head over to the BatmanUniverse.net and check out the podcast, Bat Books for Beginners. The Bat Books for Beginners podcast breaks down and analyzes all of my adventures so I can remember how to get to the Batcave, which Robin I'm working with, and where I parked the Batmobile. Chris and Jerry, the hosts of Bat Books for Beginners, are honest about how well I'm serving the citizens of Gotham. Sometimes too honest, I'll have to talk to them about that. If you wake up one morning and think you might be Batman and have just lost your memories, go over to the BatmanUniverse.net or iTunes, and check out Bat Books for Beginners. Now, if I could just figure out who this old man cleaning the Batcave is, that would be great. I asked my friend Scott Snyder, and he didn't know. Don't be a supervillain. Visit the BatmanUniverse.net and listen to Bat Books for Beginners, also on iTunes. You'll be glad you did. Bat Books for Beginners is part of the BatmanUniverse.net Bat family of podcasts. Don't listen to Bat Books for Beginners when operating heavy machinery or juggling. If you listen to Bat Books for Beginners for more than four hours, call your doctor. Bat Books for Beginners is part of a balanced diet. Dudes, it's totally time to listen to fan holes. What's that, Mikey? Like only the most tubular, righteous, gnarly podcast ever. Um, I don't know, Mikey. I've got some science projects to work on. Yeah, Mikey, and you know, some of the things those fan holes say, you know, really ticks me off. 
Well, why don't we see what Master Splinter has to say about listening to fan holes? Yeah, sure. Okay, Leo. But what do you think, Master Splinter? Should we listen to Fan Holes, the pop culture podcast made for fans by the fans or not? I say... Go, fan holes! Go, fan holes! Go! <laughs> I made another funny! <laughs> <laughs> Dude! Turtle Power Podcast Hour! A podcast crossover event featuring Fanhole's podcast, Bored with Friends, and Animated Indulgence, coming this September. It's time for What's Up, when we talk about other things going on inside and outside the world of Trekker. Since our last episode, we've been to a couple of conventions. First up was Heroes Con in Charlotte. It's a favorite comic convention, and we've attended it many times. And it definitely had a Trekker connection this year because Ron Randall was a guest. And another special part of the event this year was that a number of comic podcasters attended the convention as well. And then my brother Michael decided to attend the show and bring his 11-year-old son Aaron, who is a huge Trekker fan. This was the first time that Ron Randall attended Heroes Con and his wife Lynn joined him. And knowing that we lived in the state and were familiar with the area, they invited us to join them for some sightseeing. We visited local art and history museums with them and went out to dinner in the evenings. We even got to take a horse-drawn carriage ride through the historic district of Charlotte to see houses and churches from the late 1700s and early 1800s. And knowing how much we love scuff, Lynn surprised Ruth with a gift bag full of foxes, or should I say doxes. It included a cute fox figure as well as fox stickers, bookmarks, and a gorgeous notebook from Powell's Bookstore in Portland. She certainly knows we are fans of Mercy's adorable pet scuff. There were other great guests at the convention, including Jerry Ordway, and I definitely wanted to get a sketch of Captain Marvel, since I feel he really reinvented that character in The Power of Shazam. It was a long line, but definitely worth it. We also got a very special print signed by Jerry Ordway for Zoom Yukonori from The Line It Is Drawn, and the upcoming podcast Done in One Wonders. And thanks to Zoom, we learned that Jerry's daughter, Rachel Ordway, was a guest at the convention as well. She had some terrific original comics and art, and we picked up several items from her. Saturday and Sunday were big days for me because my brother Michael and his son Aaron were at the con those two days. As we mentioned earlier, Aaron is a big Trekker fan, so the first person he wanted to see was Ron Randall. And Ron and Lynn were so nice to him and made him feel very special. Ron even drew a small sketch of Mercy St. Clair on a Trekker postcard for him, which he carried around all day long. In addition, Heroes Con has a scavenger hunt for kids, and if they collect all 12 stamps needed for the scavenger hunt, they get a free small sketch from any artist. Aaron started on that immediately, and before the convention was over, he had collected all 12 stamps, and he chose to get another small sketch from Ron Randall. This time, Ron drew Mercy's pet scuff for him. Michael and Aaron also enjoyed checking out some of the special vehicles and props that were at the convention during the weekend, including the Scooby-Doo Mystery Machine, the DeLorean from Back to the Future, the Ecto-1 from Ghostbusters, the TARDIS from Doctor Who, and Speeders, Droids, and Stormtroopers from the Star Wars films. Another original commission we got during the weekend was a lovely sketch of Doug and Patty from the animated TV series Doug that was drawn by Craig Boldman. Craig and Ron were at the Kubert School together, and it was fun to hear them reminisce about their time at school and their early years in the industry. Craig has worked on Superman in the past and works lots on Archie, but when we learned that he wrote and drew the Doug comic strip in the 1990s while the TV series was on, I knew I had to get that sketch from him since I love that series. He even included Doug's dog, Porkchop, in the drawing as an extra bonus. Thank you, Craig. We also got a wonderful sketch of Prince Valiant by Thomas Yates. 
Tom has been drawing the comic for several years, and the comic is written by Mark Schultz, who we talk about on our Xenozoic Xenophiles podcast, so this was a great crossover. Plus, Tom Yates, Mark Schultz, and Ron Randall are all friends, so it was also some nice synergy. And even though it was six weeks before my birthday, Ruth treated me to early presents, which were commissions from Ron Randall of Jekka and Wisu. Both are terrific, and we'll share them on our social media pages. Thank you, Ruth. And as we mentioned earlier, there were lots of other comic podcasters and podcast friends at the convention, and we had great fun meeting and chatting with them all throughout the weekend. The Irredeemable Shag and Rob Kelly from the Fire and Water Podcast Network, which includes shows like Justice League International, the Film and Water Podcast, the Treasury Cast, and more. Ryan Daly of the Power of Fishnets, Secret Origins, and Midnight the Podcasting Hour. Our friend Chris Klamer, who is a volunteer for the Hero Initiative and runs their booth at many conventions. Chris and Cindy Franklin of the Supermates podcast, who were there with their son Andrew and their lovely daughter. Keith G. Baker, who we met last year at NC Comic Con, and it was great to see him again at Heroes Con. It was wonderful to finally meet Stella of the Batgirl to Oracle podcast. She is kind and smart. We saw our friends Ed and Terry Moore of Till Productions, who do the podcasts The Mighty Thorcast, the Usagi Yojimbo podcast Ronan Rabbit, the Doctor Fate podcast Lords of Order, and many more. And it was exciting this year to meet their son Nick and his girlfriend Destiny. Nick and Ed did the Emerald Archer Green Arrow podcast, which was a favorite of ours. And we had the chance to meet up with Jeff Messer from the Geek Brain podcast. He is a good friend and also a Mike Grell fan, and he has recorded for our Warlord Worlds podcast. And we made new friends at the convention as well. We met Kevin Wetter, who is a big fan of the Doom Patrol and the Waiting for Doom podcast with Mike Garvey and Paul Hicks. Paul connected us before the convention, and it was terrific meeting Kevin. And we met the lovely Laurel, also known as Mountain Flower, on Twitter, and had terrific conversations about comics and many other topics, including Japan. And it was terrific to meet Derek William Crabb of the Fan Holes Podcast Network. He's such a nice guy. We had the opportunity to hang out several times during the weekend and found we have many interests in common. And we're happy we had the chance to get together one final time for breakfast on Monday morning after the convention. We were privileged to meet Diablo Frank of the Rolled Spine Podcast Network, who we've recorded with in the past. As anyone who listens to his shows knows, he's full of enthusiastic energy and has a range of interests. We were happy to join him and Paquita for dinner on Sunday evening to talk about our shared love of traveling. And it was wonderful meeting Russell Burbage, who has been so supportive of our Legion of Superheroes coverage on our Warlord Worlds podcast. He's such a great guy, plus he travels to Japan often, and we always love talking about Japan. And we met artist Luke Dobb, who also does the podcast The Creative Spirit. Luke is friendly and talented. We arrived knowing we had to get a commission from him, which, of course, had to be Aquaman and Mira, because he is a huge fan of the characters, just like us. And we also got a commission from Thomas Zoller, who writes and draws the romantic comedy series Love and Capes, which is a favorite. Since we got Aquaman and Mira by Luke, we knew we had to get our other favorite superhero couple by Tom, which was Green Arrow and Black Canary, and it is delightful. And we'll wrap up our feedback section with our time at another convention, which was Raleigh Supercon, where we were fortunate enough to hold our very first convention panel about our podcasts. The panel covered all of the Rad Adventures podcasts, and it was fun to talk about Trekker, Xenozoic Tales, The Warlord, John Sable, and more. We put together a PowerPoint presentation to showcase some of the excellent art of creators Ron Randall, Mark Schultz, and Mike Grell, and explain the main characters and settings from their excellent comics. We had lots of fun with the panel. Supercon appeared to be well attended, and there was lots of fun cosplay, and some great comic guests, including Jim Shooter, Peter David, and Leela Del Duca, who is a member of the Helioscope Studios, like Ron Randall. 
Other guests at the con included Alex Kingston of Doctor Who and one of our favorite voice actors, the hilarious Richard Horvitz from the Angry Beavers, Invader Zim, and many more. We're lucky to have so many great conventions within driving distance, and we had a great time at both of these events. Absolutely. Before we go, we want to provide our contact information. Please let us know your thoughts through email, Facebook, or Twitter. If you want to contact us directly, please send an email to trekkertalk at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr using the name Trekker Talk, and you can visit our website for links to all of our social media pages. And that web address is... TrekkerTalk.com Thank you, Charlotte and Catherine of the excellent Marksmiths podcast for that clip. You can listen to our show through iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play, and all of our episodes are always available at trekkertalk.podbean.com. You can also find the show on YouTube as part of the Rad Adventures Podcast Network. That's Rad, R-A-D, which is short for Ruth and Darren. On the Rad Adventures YouTube channel, you'll find all of the episodes of all of our podcasts, including Trekker Talk, as well as Xenozoic Xenophiles about the Cadillacs and Dinosaurs series Xenozoic Tales by Mark Schultz, and Warlord Worlds about the comic creations of Mike Grell, including the Warlord, John Sable, and Green Arrow. If you like the show, please consider leaving a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Every review helps the podcast be more likely to show up in search results. And on YouTube, we hope you'll subscribe to the channel and give us some likes on the videos. Remember, at trekkercomic.com, you'll find a new page of material every Monday, as well as links to all of the ways you can follow Ron Randall. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you'll come back next time for another new episode of Trekker Talk. Trekker Talk is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. For more information, visit comicspodcast.com. We are not affiliated with Dark Horse Comics or Ron Randall. The views expressed on the show are solely ours. Music is taken from the album Royalty Free Music, Movies, and Videos from the Royalty Free Music Club. We make no money from this podcast and no copyright infringement is intended. Music